Hello and welcome to Tea Time Theology. I'm Ivy Swinsky and today's guest is the Reverend Canon Megan Brower and we will be talking about everyday God. Awesome. Megan, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Let's start with your Bible quote, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I went with a really simple Bible quote today and I think it might a little bit have to do with what's happening in the world around us at this moment, but I... I decided to go with Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And that is where I landed. <laughs> to keep it pretty short and simple today. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so I took it a little differently, which is great. Um, <laughs> so for my um, secular quote, I picked the song Don't Get Me Wrong by The mm-hmm. Pretenders. Um, and the specific quote that I picked was once in a while two people meet seemingly for no reason they just pass on the street suddenly thunder showers everywhere who can explain the thunder and rain but there's something in the air right um and i and i think both of our examples are pretty much the same thing only they said it a little differently that like god is just kind of there and it's doesn't need to be explained any more than that absolutely and i think sometimes i guess the reason i was kind of thinking about be still is like i think i think we do have so many questions about life and what's happening in life and where is God in everything that's happening with what we're doing. And, um, and for me, sometimes I can spend so much time wrapped up in those questions and trying to figure it out. And, and the way that I come back to my real deep knowing about where God is and how God is working in the world, all parts of it is in that stillness. And in that kind of like, sometimes for me, the answer is, is simple to try to figure it out, which is, or at least that's where I need to be today in, in yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> on this day. And so. I and I think it's fun that like if we recorded this on a different day, your your quote totally. could have been different. Oh, it would have been completely different. Yeah, yeah right. And and so, um, but I do love that song, and it gave me a great. Now I'll, I'll get to carry that with me for a couple of days. Yeah, no, so, definitely. And I've like heard other priests talk where they're like, this is the one I always come back to. So I think it's like a common one. Mm -hmm. It is. It's not been super common for me. Stillness is not my go-to. I know. You know that. (laughs) I like loud music. I like dancing. I like busyness. I like, um, and so I think, but especially on days when I can get a little stuck in my social media scroll or when I'm feeling like low-key panicked about what might be happening in the world around me, it's like I have, so I go to it not because I like that, um, passage but because it reminds me to go to a place that is not always my default when I'm trying to find God does that make sense that makes so much sense and I love that um so let's just jump sort of in your topic's really broad everyday God so my first question and you can answer this however you'd like okay is what is the difference between church and God you know um I'm gonna just tell you a story that's right so Um, so we just had our first ever confirmation camp up at ECC, yes. and it was a program. Can that you we, tell oh, us a little bit yes. about ECC Thank if you, we yes. don't know that? So uh, the Episcopal Conference Center, um, which is our summer camp and retreat center for the Diocese of Rhode Island, not actually a conference center, but, you know, we like to confuse people. So um, we call it ECC. Is our It's out in Pasco, Rhode Island, and we have eight weeks of residential summer camp programming, and then we are open for retreat groups year round and we offer our own programs on the weekends for adults and for kids um, all year. And so um, we've been there since 1949 and yeah, 
Um, I grew up there as a camper and counselor and have been the director there, which I should mention. I've been the director there for coming up on eight years. Wow. So, yeah. So at any rate, we did this brand new program. It's called Confirmation Camp because I thought we have all of these parishes in the diocese who are trying to have their own confirmation classes. And some parishes are, are able to make that happen. They've got a big group of young people and adults who can support the program. But I thought maybe a way for us to help provide a service to the diocese is to gather all the young people who are in the confirmation process in one place at one time, cover the general content you would have for a confirmation class, and then also give them a chance to have a good time and have some fellowship and get to know other young people around the diocese and get to know camp. So that's the framework for this question. And so we started the weekend and we asked the young people how many of them were at camp uh, because they had been uh, encouraged to be at the program versus if they really wanted to be there. And there was heavy on the encouragement. But, yes. Okay. Um, and so we kind of kicked off the weekend talking about the sacraments, talking about confirmation. And then after we'd been talking about it a little bit, I, I thought, we need, I feel like we need to back up a little bit. Like we've, we've started out with this um, assumption that everyone is here, that everyone who is here believes in God, mm. which seems obvious because they – are part of a church and they're part of confirmation. But I've worked with teenagers for long enough to know that that's a real common time in life to be asking questions about that sort of thing and be trying to figure that out. So um, so we, we kind of paused the next lesson we were supposed to do and I spent some time in the room with them saying, let's talk about this. What are the reasons why you wouldn't believe in God? And then we flipped over to the reasons why we would. So now I'm going to answer your question. That's okay. When we were talking about why you wouldn't believe in God, um, people started talking about, you know, some of the things that you would expect, right? Like, um, because there's evil in the world or because there's no way to prove that there's a God. Um, and then it pretty quickly shifted a little bit. And what a lot of people's issues were about God were actually issues with the church, mm. with the institution and the way the institution is made some yeah. choices. <laughs> They've made some bold choices <laughs> made over some the years. bold choices over the years. <laughs> and so I, I kind of stopped and said, okay, 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 let's, I just want to name that there's two things going on here. There's like why you might not believe in God and there's why you might not believe in church mm-hmm. um, or in the institution. And so it gave us a great kind of jumping off place for the rest of the weekend because I said, now you can spend some time like keeping these things in the back of your mind and thinking about your own personal faith journey, but also learning about the Episcopal church how the Episcopal Church makes decisions, who the Episcopal Church tries to be in the world, and you can it can help you make a really informed decision about the church. So all of this is to say, in a perfect world, the church is the place that we go to meet God in worship and to meet God in one another and to help uh, find a community with which we can bring God to people in the rest of the world, in a perfect world. And I think sometimes we get it, right? And then mm-hmm. God, of course, is... Are, are you know well do i have to define god they can stop this is too hard a question yes. god is god i am there's some names yes <laughs> definitely um thank you for that and you're right i think that it um 
when I was in high school, I went to a happening weekend with you and you gave this super short sermon that I still remember and carry with me daily. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really good. Um, which, sort of, which sort of goes with this, where it was um, about the sower and throwing the mm-hmm. seeds. Mm-hmm. You came up and you were like, I don't know about any of you, but I couldn't really pay attention during this. That's <laughs> how you started it. And I was like, great, someone else is there. Um, but you said that sometimes we want so hard to be the seeds, mm-hmm. but all we need to be is the good soil. Mm. And that hmm. it was really good. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I have a vague memory of that. Yeah. And it was, and that is an idea that I have taken with me. And I think relates to this idea of church versus God that like, sometimes we want the church to be something more than it can be just because of what it is. And that we just need to be that soil. Wow. (laughs) It's really kind of fascinating the way you've just used something that I've said to answer my question better than me. That's cool. (laughs) <laughs> Great, yeah. Good work. Yeah. So we can end now. Yeah. Perfect. We peaked. Great. Um, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Um, so thinking about everyday God, mm-hmm. um, you sort of, ECC treats religion in a certain way. I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's if you go to a church service at ECC, it's going to be vastly different than a church service you would experience mm-hmm. in your sort of everyday mm-hmm. Anglican church that you walk mm-hmm. into. Do you think there's something in the way that you present services and the activities you do throughout the day at camp yeah. that sort of bring God to a different, through a different lens? Hmm. So as to, as to the part about worship, mm-hmm. our worship is a little different. And I spent, you know, a lot of time, I should probably mention that I also have a, a small church that I started in yes. Pasco called Church of the Beloved. And I started the church because so many people that were coming to camp said, um, I just wish I could find a church that felt like camp church. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that I, I hear that. Um, but then I started saying, like, what does that even mean? Like, why yeah. is Camp Church that different? Because we do a shortened version of right to yeah, straight out of the prayer book. It's the same words. It's like it's the exact same words. But I, I would agree with you that the feeling is pretty different. And what I what I I finally just kind of spent some time thinking about that and narrowed it down to a few different things that happen at Camp Church that people might not at least right away feel mm-hmm. in another church. Um one, I do think people like the music. You know, there's a guitar and there's a ton of enthusiastic singing because camp people are weird. And so we're just excited to yeah. be singing <laughs> at church. Um, I, I I do think there's a level to which people like the fact that there's you just go in whatever you've worn for the day. Like, yeah. Right? There's <laughs> I think that shift is changing in the church in general. But for mm-hmm. a long time, there's like you have to put on your church clothes and people like that they can just wear whatever they're wearing to camp. Um. We are all, we, we sort of worship in the round at mm. ECC. It's the barn, but we're all on one level and we're all real close together. So there's not that, I think that fosters a sense of intimacy in the worship because there's so many of us in that space kind of packed in in the round. Um, and then I think the other thing is just that because people are at camp together, they have formed relationships with one another. And so the worship is more meaningful because when the peace comes around, 
they're they're turning to people who have very quickly become friends and really important people in their lives. And so when I started Beloved, I tried to take some of that with me um, in that we worship in the round. We use, you know, different different music than you would typically hear in a traditional Episcopal parish. And then we have a potluck every week to try to form those relationships. Mm-hmm. I, I think the relationship piece is how people experience God in a different way. I mean, it's not different than how people experience God all the time, but there's an intensity of it at camp. Mm-hmm. And what one of the things people say over and over again is I feel just totally accepted. Like I can be mm-hmm. who I'm meant to be here and everybody celebrates that. I don't need to try to be anything that I'm not. And I think that that level of being comfortable in your own skin and being celebrated for who you are is um, – is just part of what breeds that kind of closeness to God and connection to spirit when they're at camp. And so I think that's a way we kind of connect with God a little bit differently when we're there, if that makes any sense. No, it did. Thank you for that. And how are there everyday activities that people do that also have them have that connection with God? Hmm. I mean, I think once you are, you know, that's an interesting question. And I think it's one of the things that we try to teach people isn't just what's happening at camp, right? So people Mm -hmm. feel close to one another. They feel accepted for who they are. They feel wide open, like they can just be their true selves at camp. And then they leave camp and they feel like they kind of have to go back to the way they are in the world. Right. And what we try to to teach and show people is that this is about how to become your truest self everywhere you go. It's why I call my church Church of the Beloved, because what I've seen over and over again is the thing that especially teenagers that I work with out there most crave is to know that they're loved for just who they are, that they don't have to try to be anything different. Right. Um, and that they're, and they experience that they're loved by others at camp and that helps them figure out that they are also loved by God. Right. They Mm -hmm. experience God's love through the love of the other people that they're friends with there. And so I guess what I would say is everything we do there in the context of that relationship and celebration of one another and love, everything we do there becomes about God. Mm-hmm. Our talent show is about God because somebody gets up on the stage and does something stupid that really talent might not be <laughs> part of the equation at all, yeah. but, but they're up there on the stage so that we can clap and cheer for them and so that we can laugh together and we can sing together and we can cry mm-hmm. together and we we uh, clean bathrooms together at camp. We don't put that on a brochure or anything, but you know, it's yeah. one of the things we do. We work. We take care of the of uh we take care of the community together and that's part of our stewardship and that becomes about god like mm-hmm. you know it's just kind of the nature of the community that we create there makes it i think so that everything we do yeah um you sort of dropped a word there that i would love for you to give me your definition of and that's stewardship uh. um, <laughs> i know you said it and i was like oh, i'm gonna put her on that spot oh. <laughs> yeah i don't love that word because i think i have some of the like I doesn't you hear the word stewardship and everyone thinks of stewardship Sundays and you're like oh here we go we're four weeks of like having to hear about how we should give money and um I wish that we had some better I either wish we had some different words about it or I wish we could reclaim stewardship for what it's Mm -hmm. actually meant to be right and um I think it's just how we care for 
our communities and for the places we live and the places we work and the places we share together. And so obviously that can be a camp stewardship of the camp is work projects and throwing away our trash and cleaning up and, mm-hmm. um, and you know, sometimes that's financial stewardship, but then it's just how we, how we work together to care for what we have. Yeah. It's always that, um, the time, mm-hmm. treasure and talent Absolutely. and it's treasure is only like a third of it. Right. <laughs> exactly. It didn't even like make it over the 50%. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. Yeah. yeah. That's a tough, that's a tough one in our church, I think. Yes, definitely. Um, so I went to yoga for the first time yesterday. I know. For the first time. For the first time ever. It was quite an experience. Not sure if we're going to do that again. We're, oh, yeah. Yeah. But it was definitely sort of an experience. And while I was there, something I definitely wanted to talk to you about. Because yeah. I know that you like Zumba and do that kind uh-huh. of stuff in your life. Is that I could see why people do this sort of as a ritual practice in their life to be mindful as well as a sort of like godly prayer time. Yep. Can you talk to that at all or how you do things in your life that like if we were to look at your schedule may just be like, oh, Megan's doing like this, but is actually like a time where you're like, no, this is my time with God and we're like hanging out now. Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting. So I have a love hate relationship with yoga I um same. I first of all am like the least flexible human that has ever been created and so it's oh, and the whole idea of yoga is that it's not about trying to get your body to do something it can't do it's about being okay with where you are and just mm. kind of like being in your body and being grateful for your body and being connected and breathing yeah. and stretching to the point that you can you know, to the yeah. point you can move. But boy, the whole time I'm like, look at that girl over there. My God, she's got an incredible down dog. And I can't even like get in the <laughs> position. I just, I get in my head almost the entire time. Um, and then you get to the very end of yoga and it's time for Shavasana. And it's you like, know, oh, this is worth it. it. That's it. And I've tried to just do Shavasana. It doesn't work without the rest of the class. You got to do the rest of the class, you know? It's not fair. And then it's so, I think it's so interesting that you mentioned that because that's exactly why I chose be still, mm. right? Mm-hmm. That like there's this process in life where it's like, you know, and even when you're doing something where you're like, shoot, I, I don't need to be in my head about this. I'm overthinking about this. I'm spinning. Things are too busy. Things are too crazy. And then like carving out this time to be still or to just like breathe. <laughs> we don't do enough. Of. Now, listen, I don't go to yoga. Any. <laughs> One of the things that I realized, I did a lot of yoga for a little while and then I discovered Zumba Mm -hmm. and I did realize that for me, it's certainly lacking the stillness component, but for me, um, loud music, uh, it gets rid of all the spin Mm. like, and, and dancing the way we dance in Zumba, there's no room for any other obsessive thinking, because all you can think about is like, which way am I moving right now? And I don't know, there's something about it that is, um, it, it does become a spiritual practice for me. I'm in my body, I'm celebrating, I feel joyful, I'm in community with other people, because I've also done Zumba alone. It's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like part of the point is doing it together. But I think, I think so many of those practices that we set aside for for ourselves are are just that, or this opportunity for us to connect with our bodies and our God. And I think a lot of the time, those two things are connected. And so even though Zumba is my go-to, 
sometimes my deep knowledgeable self knows that stillness needs to be the option instead yeah definitely it's that same idea that like self-care can Mm -hmm. also be involved in your spiritual life and practice yeah absolutely for what it's worth i also always say that I oftentimes feel about church the way I feel about going to a yoga class or to the gym that I never want to go, but afterwards I'm always glad I did. Not that I never want to (laughs) go. Of course I want to go to church, but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes you're like, oh, I could do pancakes and pajamas instead, or I I have only two more episodes left of Love is Blind. Like I could, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. But that's a whole different podcast. (laughs) That's a whole different podcast. (laughs) Which I would do with you if you want to, right? (laughs) Next season. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, it's like one of those things that you're like, oh, you know, it can be hard sometimes to motivate yourself to get there. And then when you go, it, we need all kinds of opportunities in our culture to to break us out of our normal busyness and craziness i think mm-hmm. and so church yoga exercise walking meditating still whatever it is there's a range but i think we need it desperately definitely um so i want to talk a little bit about prayer life cuz i know for me personally i don't really love that a phrase of it because I feel like a lot of like Lenten programs that people do it's like how do we mature prayer life and it's like what do you even mean by that um but how would you define an active prayer life and how would you sort of break down the conceptions that like a prayer life is only like saying Hail Mary before you go to bed or something along those lines mm-hmm. we <laughs> we uh, just had our uh, presbyters retreat, which is yes. like the gathering of all the clergy, uh, active priests in the diocese. Mm-hmm. Um, just happened last week, and we walked the labyrinth together. There was this beautiful labyrinth at this Catholic retreat center where we were staying. We walked the labyrinth together, and then we were reflecting back on the labyrinth. And and I kind of fessed up to the group that when we do – not just when we do labyrinths, but I said, you know, I, I have – always wrestled with this feeling like there's a right way to be a priest or a right way to be a Christian. And I'm, I'm never quite sure if I'm doing it the right way, you know? And I said, like, I, I don't like morning prayer. And then I feel like what's going to, somebody's going to come, you know, like, like, oh yeah. Right. Um, but, but it, it, it's not something that most of the time, sometimes, but most of the time, it's not something that leaves me feeling uh, much more connected. Um, and then when we do a labyrinth, I get in my head like, okay, now we're doing a labyrinth and this is supposed to be a prayerful experience. So am I walking too fast or am I walking too slow? And how's my face? Do I look like I'm connecting with, you know, and I, I just, um, I get in my head about whether or not I'm doing those kind of prescribed prayer activities, Mm -hmm. uh, with enough piety or whatever it is. I was like, am I serious (laughs) enough? I don't know. Am I doing it right? I'm not sure if I'm doing it right. And 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 then I think like like I just feel um, like yeah 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 of course there's times that I need to set that time apart for stillness there's times that I need to like dig deep because because I'm not I'm not connected to what I think it is that God is really calling me to do or like having that you know having that opportunity to listen to God or to offer those prayers back but. But I just know that God is such a constant part in my life all day, every day. I just feel like God and I are doing life together. Yeah. I'm talking to God all the time. I'm figuring mm-hmm. out what God wants me to do all the time. And and 
And sometimes that prayer for me can be just a, just one of those, you know, when you have that conversation with someone where it's just totally sacred and you know Mm -hmm. that truth is being shared and you're being vulnerable and open with one another and you're helping one another discern what the next right thing is or whatever it is, or you're comforting one another, like those moments can be, or are for me at least, prayer or, or walking Satchewa's Point in Middletown as the sunrise is coming up. I mean, my gosh, I just like, like, how can you not feel connected to God when you're watching a sunrise or a sunset? I I just, you know, um, and then, yeah, sometimes it happens like when I'm singing at church and when I'm saying prayers at church, I have a little eight year old in my church. She does the prayers of the people and it's the most delightful thing you've ever seen, you know? (laughs) Um, so yeah, there are some of those more traditional ways, but um, for me, I, I have tried to get into the practice of not shortchanging my relationship with God because it doesn't always feel like it fits into a box yeah. or my prayer life, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it, it really does a disservice to our diocese to sort of prescribe how you should be a priest or how anyone should be a priest. Well, yeah. And, and just to be clear, I'm, I think I'm putting it on myself. I'm, there is an expectation that priests are going to do morning yeah. prayer. Um, but I think for the most part, you just kind of get in your head sometimes about the way to do something the right way, whatever it is. And so I have always said that anytime anyone talks about prayer, all I see are those little, um, what are they called? The little precious, precious moments, the little porcelain figurines of like the little white kids with their hands clasped in front of them, looking up, kneeling, they're in robes. I don't know why they're in robes or at least in my head they're in robes, but you know what I mean? That's always what I see in my head as like the definition of prayer. Like that it's kneeling by my bed saying my bedtime prayers. Yeah, where I work, we have a whole um, confirmation and first communion like wall of like different stuff. Like we have a stuffed Jesus that we're selling now. Mm. Yeah, I was a little... First of all, I thought it was kind of cool, but I was also like, this is strange. Um, There was a book about this little, it was to the poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, but it was Twas the Night Before My First Communion, which I found amazing because I was like, this is hilarious. But I was reading it and it was like very sweet because she was like so nervous going up and her whole family came into town and all that kind of stuff but what was funny was at the end she was like what if I drop it or like what if I do this or what if it goes wrong and I'm like I've I've realized this book is aimed to like six-year-olds that have their first communion but I feel like that's a really real thing that people go through in their life they're like what if I do like drop the host how do you like oh people ask me that all the time because I I mean I do a lot of um supply around the diocese because my church meets at night so Mm -hmm. I can fill in for folks on Sundays and so many people are like, pe- yeah, people get worried. They want to do it right. And I think, listen, I, I, for a lot of people, that's a deep desire to be reverent and to pay respect yeah. to the, you know, so I, so I, I think it, it comes from a good place, but I'm always like, I think God understands if we totally mess it up, you know, yeah, we can and just do the best we can. It's true. <laughs> okay. And I think that's the end goal is that like the nice thing about, um our church is that we're one of forgiveness that like you can mess up so many times and in very interesting and new ways and you always know that you come back to that sort of forgiveness place and you Mm -hmm. can start the day over and be like okay let's let's try this one and see how it goes today yeah and I also think a a prayer life just uh evolves over time and changes as you change too you know so um there can be periods of time where one thing that you do works out really well and then you find you change and you find new ways to connect. So I like having a nice expansive definition for prayer. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I wanted to talk a little bit because you kind of touched on it, but you sort of went over it. I liked it, so I want to go back to it. Sure. Um, this idea of the sacredness of everyday activities. Because mm-hmm. um, there is sort of that idea you put in your head that like, oh, this is the moment. Mm-hmm. But like, I love and feel a sacredness of driving shotgun in a car and jamming out to music. Sure. And that kind of stuff. And how does that enrich our lives in a different way Mm. um, there's a great song by I think his name is Peter Mayer um, and it's called everything is holy now and the song is all about how when he was a boy it was all about going to church and the water and wine and the testament and how now he realizes that everything's a miracle you know Mm. and that um you see a child's happy face and it's a miracle. And I think, I think if you invite God into whatever you're doing, it, it becomes about that relationship and, and, and about things becoming sacred. And sometimes I invite God in intentionally. And sometimes I just find that it happens. You know, I wouldn't necessarily be like, no, I'm in the car with a friend of mine. We're going to listen to music and it's going to be about God. But boy, when we're laughing and singing at the top of our lungs and and just enjoying that time together with one another and singing music, which I think music, I don't care what kind it is. I think music brings us, I, you know, I love that. She who sings praise twice. Mm-hmm. I just think music brings us closer to God all the time. So I just think, I just think just about any of those moments where we feel feel that connection or where we feel joy or where we feel trust or safety are all about having that connection with God. Yeah. You know, why, why, why shortchange ourselves? And why shortchange God? <laughs> exactly. He's yes, like, exactly. He's got us covered. That's right. That's right. So what do we sort of, what do you sort of think of that idea of like divine intervention then? And how does that sort of. Oh my uh, goodness. <laughs> You can also say, nope, next question. No, it's totally fine. I don't know what I think about all that. I spent a lot of time thinking about it. Like, because I always say, I do believe in moments of divine intervention. I've experienced them, Mm. right? Like, I've had moments where I'm like, yeah, no question. God was there. I know it. I I felt it in my bones. Um, And then I spent a lot of time asking questions like, well, I've always said without question, I don't think that God gives cancer to people to teach them lessons. I hate that idea that we have out there but then I'm like well if that's the case then did God give me my great job because I really felt like God gave me my great job but if God doesn't give cancer does God give great jobs I don't know you know (laughs) but do I think that at any time we can like figure out what is the best thing for us in concert with God's will for us yeah and kind of get to that I think God can transform anything that's bad into good so I certainly well, have hinged my life and career on the idea that divine intervention is part of the process. <laughs> yeah. Um, but how God acts exactly in that, I can't, I couldn't say for sure. I just know it to be true. Um, and what do you do when you feel that disconnect from God or you feel like he's not there for something? Usually if I feel some kind of disconnect with God, I know it's me mm. that's out of whack. And so again, to keep coming back to this uh, passage that I picked at the very beginning, finding that time for 
stillness and like when I am feeling disconnected, it, I know that it's me who left, right? Mm. It's we, I used to have a magnet on my fridge that said something like, if God's, you know, if, if oh, shoot, well, it was a great magnet, whatever it was, but it was something like, <laughs> like it, was some, it was a guy sitting with a bunch of suitcases and it was like something like, if God's not there, guess who left? You know, oh, it wasn't, good. it wasn't that God left. It was that you left. And that is, that's at least my truth. Mm. is that if I'm if I'm not connected with God it's usually cuz I've gotten caught up in some other kind of uh, you know obsession or yeah. whatever. And so um to me it's a it's a flag to just stop what I'm doing and to do one of those things that we've just talked about that I know is going to give me that connection, right? Yeah. So like sit down with that friend that I know is going to speak truth to me. Mm-hmm. Um or like go to a yoga class and suffer through it so I can get shavasana <laughs> or <laughs> you know go sit for me I just love to sit in my church by myself and uh it's got great acoustics when you're alone so to sing i love being in churches alone i know it's the which best is a little weird. <laughs> no it's but the like best. it's, it's the best. so because the thing is i feel like a a quiet church is one of the most mm-hmm. easy places just yeah. sort of be especially when like the stained glass is just shining I do. I love it. So no, same I... for the barn. I love to be in the barn at camp alone. So, so I just know that I have to kind of hit the brakes sometimes say mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, I'm not connected right now. So it's, it's time for a reset. And I feel pretty, I, I, I do have a good sense at this point in my life when I'm, I guess you could call it out of alignment. I go to the chiropractor sometimes and I always know when I've fallen out of alignment mm-hmm. with my, in my body. And mm-hmm. I, I tend to have a good sense of that with my spirit as well. When I'm out of alignment, I need, I need I need that adjustment to get back in line. Yeah, no, I love that idea of like mm. God being the chiropractor. <laughs> <of your life. laughs> like, that's Deep hilarious. <laughs> I want that on T-shirt. Yeah. God's my chiropractor. <laughs> I'm out of alignment. Oh man. Oh man. No. Um. When I was younger, my grandma always used to say that sin the idea of sin because i had like some issues with um choices in the bible like when jesus flipped the table i was like what is that (laughs) i was like how is no one calling this on the craziness that it is um and i was like i don't understand how jesus could be fully human without sin um and someone finally explained to me that sin is when you are out of that alignment yep. with God. Yeah, exactly. And that sort of idea. And since Jesus like is God, he couldn't be out of alignment with right. who he is. Right. But we don't want to bring up the Trinity tonight. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to like take a large yeah. step back Good from that I topic. support that. <laughs> yes. But the, the idea that you're, when you walk away from that sort of love mm. and everything you can always kind yeah. of tell also when you're making choices mm-hmm. it's the same thing with when your friends are like i'm concerned about you because you're making choices yeah. that aren't yeah aligned with who you are it's the same sort of right idea i think at least. yeah i think so too i think so too and i i you know i most of the time know that about myself and have that like oh i'm not sure if this is uh the best course of action for me and you know kind of try to figure it out and that's all of life right it's like figuring out one path oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> backpedaling finding another one yes it's all yeah. the journey this is true um so the title of your episode is everyday god mm. what does that mean to you what do you think of that so um so i i grew up in my life and in my household with um 
a lot of exposure to 12-step programs. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up knowing <laughs> the the 12 steps of AA in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's interesting because I, I also grew up going to the Episcopal Church, but I would say from a spiritual perspective, I was taught by two um, organizations, so to speak, two institutions, mm-hmm. um, the Episcopal Church and the 12 steps of AA. Mm-hmm. And that gave me this kind of interesting... I don't know. It, 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 I feel like it made me pretty well-rounded <laughs> um, because the thing about AA, their third step is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And so the thing about 12-step programs is that it's like every decision and everything you do is about coming back to God's will for you. And for them, it's life or death because they're mm. trying to stay sober. You know, mm-hmm. and they know that not staying sober it means terrible things for them in their life. And mm-hmm. so there is this reliance on God's will that I think is really powerful. And um, this is not to criticize the church, mm-hmm. but I think we do a pretty good job of worshiping God on Sundays. And then sometimes, and this could just be the nature of only being together once a week, but sometimes it's hard to, like, I know that for me, I, I worship on Sunday and it's a good, like, it gets me centered and it's a great way for me to start my week, but I can get to Wednesday and Sunday feels like it was a long time ago. And so without a regular practice of like really praying for God's will for me and paying attention to where God is acting and moving in my life at any given time. Um, like I need that to be well-rounded in my experience with God. So so that's a very long winded way of answering your question, which is just that for me, like it, it, it is, my relationship with God is about everyday God and it is kind of based more in those 12 steps even than it was in my experience of the church growing up because um, I was I was taught that. I'm really grateful for that. You know, I was, I was taught how to invite God in to everything that we did, mm-hmm. every conversation, every decision. Um, and it has led to a very full relationship with God in my life that is very much... Um, practice via the church enhanced by the church Mm -hmm. you know my very first like I'm sure I believe in God moment happened at camp so Mm -hmm. you know they they I I need both of them and then of course like as the years have gone on there have been other ways that's expanded as well but for me that's kind of where I come down to how do you think the church could supplement that idea better um I don't know because we don't have, I'm just kind of like thinking through it. So, you know, we give thanks to God for all the ways um, God is in our lives. We, I'm just not sure if we have anything in our corporate worship together. Of course, I'm just trying to scan through the whole thing because I know I'm just missing things, but I don't know. There's an understanding that that's the way we live, but I'm not sure how explicitly we talk about that. I try to talk about it in sermons all the time, but that's not going to surprise you. I mean, this is like my, yeah, there's a reason <laughs> this is my one sermon, right? This is my one sermon. It's like, yeah, how do you find God and all you do? Um, but that's a good question. It's one I've been thinking about for a long time. Yeah. I think there's certainly ways we could be, have more touch points at least 
like you know podcasts yeah <laughs> nice plug. with people yeah, yeah. you're you, welcome and you have a blog don't you oh I do my little neglected <laughs> blog I write um my blog is strangers but once which we have a rock at camp that mm-hmm. says those who enter here are strangers but once and so it's a loosely tied to camp I tell a lot of camp stories I put some sermons up there it could use a little bit more love and attention well we've now plugged it thank you yes i will rush home and write a blog post (laughs) tonight but yeah that it does allow it but but yeah it's really just about a practice it's about i don't i don't know i wish i had a great answer to that question but i think it's something that i've always wished that there was some way to just meld the church and yeah and i think in that sort of aspect you're kind of on the front lines with what your job is if Mm, that makes sense sure that you are the melding of the two yeah that's true and what i do at the camp and stuff you mean yeah yeah absolutely but then it's like talk about at least with the church you're doing it once a week so you're it's you know what what happens you have these great powerful experiences at camp and then the rest of the year you know how do you how do you carry that with you and i think that's the challenge we all face in our lives it's like sure who doesn't have a great experience of god when they're up on the mountaintop if the mountaintop is camp or the sunset or whatever it is like Mm -hmm course those moments it's easy to connect but how do we carry that with us the rest of the time too and i think that's just like spiritual challenge for everybody um is there any other topics that we haven't touched on that you're like we can't do this without me talking about x Hmm. i always say i have three prayers Mm -hmm. that i offer with some frequency and i think it might connect yeah it's even if it doesn't that's fine um, to me, they reflect what I have explained to you about my relationship with God and how mm-hmm. it is like every day. Right. Yeah. So I would say I have three kind of primary prayers that I use when I'm talking to God. And mm-hmm. one is, um, what's next. I took that from Jeb Bartlett on the West wing. <laughs> yes. If you've ever seen that show, that's what Love Jeb Bartlett's what the president always says. Yeah. What's next? What's next? What's next? And so as far as my, like, what is the next thing that is God's will for me? Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of what's next. And, and sometimes I do, sometimes what's next is like, when you're on the couch and you can't figure out how to like function or do anything, like sometimes what's next is like put on your sneakers. I'm mm. not saying what's next, like get a degree. It's not always like a big thing. It's just yeah. like, sometimes it's literally just tell me what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a way that I really incorporate God into every next uh, movement. And then um, <laughs> my uh, kind of backwards prayer of gratitude is like, okay, fine. like you were right okay fine fine I'll do that thing fine (laughs) you know because so often I ask what's next I'm not crazy about the answer right but then in my experience if I if I just trust the the next Mm -hmm. then life tends to unfold in a way that's really powerful for me Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, the last one uh, uh, (laughs) it's okay WTF Mm. right yeah Um, because life's hard yeah. You know, and I think when we talk about having an everyday God, mm-hmm. um, if you're if, if if you think that your that your God can't handle a bad mood or a bad day or total despair or a couple of expletives, then you're shortchanging what God is capable of doing in your life. You mm-hmm. know, and so I like to just kind of name that as one of my prayers because sometimes that's all I have. Yeah. I a little bit feel that way. Yeah, out in the world today like what are we you know there's a lot going on out there and so it's like yeah. and so I think that just uh, you know I I think 
just being before God with all of our questions and all of our uncertainty and all of our honesty mm-hmm. and all of our humanity is totally fine. And just so I, I just like to kind of tell people sometimes that I, I think, you know, our prayers can cover their range and can be all of our, all of our feelings and um, all of our questions and that God can handle it all. And that is the, that is the thing I would say for me when I'm talking about how, how I really live that relationship with God every day. Those are some pretty important. I'm totally going to steal some of those. <laughs> those are awesome. And Lamont has a much lovelier book called Help Thanks Wow, which is probably more podcast appropriate too. But <laughs> uh, it's okay. That's, you know, be my, my book that I'll never write because I can't even get a blog post written. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Megan. If we wanted to see you on a Sunday, how would we do that? Yeah, so you can come on out to Church of the Beloved, which is all the way out in Pasco, but you Rhode Islanders can handle it. And we give you dinner because there's potluck usually after. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a bunch of events in the church and you can find, um, I'm sorry, a bunch of events at the camp and mm-hmm. you can find uh, information about camp life and and about Church of the Beloved at our website, which is um, eccri.org. And if we wanted to follow you do you have any socials that you would like to plug you can say no no it's fine i'm on facebook you can find me megan kelly brower on facebook and um that's and then and then really my work is through the episcopal conference center and church of the beloved on facebook which is where you're going to get more interesting content unless you enjoy uh photographs of my cute children yes they're very cute though thanks thank you for listening to tea time theology we would like to thank our sponsor the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island, and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley, as well as our guests today. You can follow us at Tea Time Theology on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This season of Tea Time Theology is hosted and organized by Ivy Swinsky. Our music is mixed and performed by Mo Ray Akande. The podcast is recorded and edited by me, Taylor Wilkins. Oh.